You're listening to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats out there. Strap yourself in and get ready. Here is Scott Talensky and Wes Boss. Welcome to Syntax, the podcast with the tastiest web development treats around. <laughs> uh, with me, as always, is Wes Boss. Say what's up. Hey, everybody. Hey. In this episode, we're going to be talking all about array methods and object methods. We're going to be doing some of the ones that we feel like are very, very usable, things you should be using, you know, somewhat frequently, stuff that's going to improve your life, stuff that's going to make your code more readable, easier, all that good stuff that comes along with these methods. We're going to be going just a little bit about what they do, maybe why you might want to use them, what they return, what the benefits are, all that good stuff. And uh, this episode is sponsored by FreshBooks, Cloud, which is amazing cloud accounting software, as well as Netlify which is honestly one of, uh, you know, possibly one of my favorite services of all time here at this point. (laughs) I I tweeted about it the other day and someone was like, yeah, but they're your sponsor. I was like, yeah, but I, you know, found Netlify first and then reached out to them and was like, I love your service. I absolutely love this thing. So uh, any words or comments you hear from me talking about Netlify is 100% my genuine (laughs) reaction here. I, I would say probably about half of our sponsors are companies that we use ourselves. We praise like I have no no problem tweeting out being like this company is amazing. Like it's super good. Uh, and then they often say, oh, we just got a bunch of signups just from you. Like that happened with Cloudinary and a couple others. And then they come on and, and sponsor full time because they realize that this audience is awesome. Yeah, for real. And we're just genuinely excited about this stuff most of the time. So yeah, uh, that that's really just it. So how, how are you doing today, Wes? I'm doing great. I am going to New York tomorrow morning for uh, mm. Generate Conf. I'm doing a React, like an intro to React workshop on Wednesday. And I'm doing a talk on Thursday. And then we got a, a day on either side to to hang out and enjoy New York. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Beauty. I'm actually heading to uh, SF, San Francisco, this weekend to talk at Zeit Day. Uh, I'll yeah. be doing a talk on uh, learning. On um, A lot of people ask me, like, what's up? How do you learn a lot of stuff so fast? And uh, we'll be doing an episode on that, too, after this yeah. talk. Maybe cover a little bit what I go over in that talk. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited to be out there. So if you're at Zeit Day, San Francisco, come say hi. I will be there and uh, hanging out. Yeah. Wicked. Man, we are uh, world travelers or... At least United <laughs> States travelers. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. Wicked. All right. So uh, let's get on into it. We've got, I think I've got, I counted like 20 different things. And I, I think that this episode is going to make you a better JavaScript developer. Um, in my, Scott and I always talk about our love for all the array methods. Uh, and, and often we get people being like, oh, what are they? Can you do an episode on it? So this is the episode where we're going to rattle through 20 different methods on arrays and objects that you should know. And it's going to make you a better developer. You probably know a handful of these. Hopefully there's a couple that you either didn't know about or a couple that we can use in, in a way that you never knew about. And um, they'll just make you a better, more well-rounded uh developer so let's open it on up and maybe that we should talk about that real quick as well um like why are are these methods so great that we're all talking about and i think that it really boils down to two things you can kind of keep these in mind as we go through them first all of these are chainable meaning that uh if you need to first filter a list 
and then uh, transform it, which we're going to talk about in just a second via map, then you can chain them as as long as you want. And it's great because often you need to do three or four things and sort of pass them through. Talk about the machines again, pass them through four or five different machines. And uh, you don't have to do it all in one big, confusing loop. You can sort of think through your process in, in six or seven chained methods. Yeah. And many times you end up using, yeah, you end up using them either just one or a couple, but it doesn't matter because uh, once you start chaining them, you start really seeing how powerful they can be uh, back to back to back here. Totally. And then the other benefit is immutable. And we've talked about this on the episode before, but uh, a mutation is when you reach into a object, an array, a string, something, and you reach directly into that variable and you directly change the data. Um, and that's called a mutation. And um, in functional programming, it's very popular in React land. Um, and it's the reason why we call dot set state instead of just re- reaching directly into state and changing values. And that is because we never want to modify the data directly. You always want to just make a like a copy or you always want to return a new data and then put that into state or you always want to return new data and put that into your Redux store. And, and, and that's what's beautiful about everything we're talking about today is that uh, they never hurt the original data. They just make new data that is the modified version of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I like uh, the first one on the list here that we have is filter. And I, I love filter for a number of reasons, but I, I use filter primarily as you tweeted out as like a poor man search where you can have uh, a dot filter method on an array. You could have some sort of state coming in from your search. And as you're typing, uh, you could have it filter through a number of items in your array. And I use this on the level up tutorial site for any time I need to search through data that's already there. If I have the 5260 some tutorial series on the on the channel, if you start typing in there, it's just using a filter method to filter uh, which items are shown. So filter is a method on the array that has a a callback. And in that callback, you get to determine uh, what is the the item that is going to be either filtered or passed through. You can do any sort of conditional anything in there that just returns a true or false. And that basically allows you to, uh, and what it does is it outputs a whole new array based on whether or not those conditions are met. So you end up having a brand new array at the end of it that has been filtered by whatever these conditions are. Awesome. Yeah, that's a great explanation. I always tell my students when I'm teaching filter, it's it's sort of like a, a little machine where you um, a lot of these array methods are sort of like a machine where your your raw material goes in one end and then the machine is the method itself. And in this case, the filter is just a um, sort of like a paddle where you you can you can run a conditional. You can check if something is there. You can check if the number is greater than 100. You can check if a property has uh, a specific property that you're looking for, and then you can either keep it, tr- return true, or return truthy. Maybe we should talk about that real quick. Um, what does truthy and falsy mean? Because in, in JavaScript, if you have an if statement, you can obviously check if something is equal to true, or you can obviously check if something is greater than 40, and that will return a true Boolean. But you can also use truthy, which means that... Um, there are other values in JavaScript that are equate to true, meaning that like a string with text in it is truthy. It's not true itself, but it's there. So it's truthy. Uh, a string with no text is not necessarily false, but it's falsy, right? Uh, yeah. Same with uh, a zero is falsy. A one or any other number is truthy. There's a couple other ones uh, that are undefined is falsy. Null is falsy. 
so it's good to good to have those things. All right, next one up we have is map. And if we talk again about the whole machine, map will take in an array. Let's say you have an array of four items and it will modify that array and spit out an array on the other end that is your modified item. So basically what you're doing is you're taking in a list. I always like to give an example of you take in Scott and Wes and Snickers. It's an array of three strings. It goes through your map and then out the other end, it's going to return an array of three things. And, and the map could add is cool to the end of each one. So you take in Scott West Snickers, it will spit out Scott is cool, Wes is cool, Snickers is cool. So any single time that you need to do a little bit of data massaging, changing the data, changing what it looks like, removing items from the data, it's always the same amount of items that's being returned, but they're always massaged or changed in some way. That's what map does. Nice. Yeah. And again, we see this a lot in React uh, because, you know, again, people sometimes think that you use .map to loop over your data in React because that's essentially what you end up doing. But all you're doing is you're creating a new array full of your data with the JSX in it and returning that array. And then React is just outputting that array. So you're not really doing like an ng4 or something like that. It's 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 actually making a new array and that's why it's useful in that regard. So, you know, dot map is one of those ones you use a lot for stuff like that. But you end up uh, once you just realize that, well, hey, if I have an array and I have I need a new array and it needs to be based on the previous array, but different for some reasons. Yeah, map starts thinking like the the right option for you right about then. I, I use map a whole heck of a ton. So uh, definitely one of my most used uh, array methods here. Yeah, I would say it's it's my top used one. I would say it's my top used one, too. Yeah. Next, we have one that's really important and very useful, but often overlooked in uh, mostly just because I think people can find it to be a bit confusing just because of it's a little bit. I would say it's more complex. It's not really that much more complex once you get used to it or use it. Uh, But I'm talking about reduce. Now, reduce is uh, going to be something that it it doesn't necessarily return an array. I mean, it, it can return anything, right? Yep. Yeah. So reduce, uh, unlike dot map or filter that are automatically returning arrays, uh, this one's a little bit different. And I think uh, the best way to think about this is to look at some of the properties, one of which is frequently referred to as the accumulator. So this thing is accumulating based on the information you're passing into it. I use reduce to generate totals and subtotals from shopping cart values, right? If you have an array of five totals from the last five orders or whatever, you can reduce that number down by simply adding the value to the new value to the old value, whatever, and then getting the the total value out of that. And so that's what I use reduce a lot for. It's basically taking in an array of information with its objects, whatever, and then accumulating or using that information to return a single value. But that, I mean, that value could be anything. It could be an object. It could be an array that you create yourself or something like that. But I like to go back to the example of a subtotal uh, or a total from subtotals uh, is a, the nice way I like to think about it the most. Yeah, you take in an array of products and for each one, you just take the price off of that product and then you add it to the sort of the running tally of that one. Um, another thing I like to use it for is it, let's say I have a, a string 
And that is a transcript of this podcast. And I wanted to know how many times I said sweet in the entire podcast or how many times mm-hmm. I used specific words. What I would do is I would take the entire string of this podcast. I would split it, which turns uh, I would split it on a space, meaning that it would turn every word I've said into an array of a huge array. And then you can reduce over it and start with an empty object. And then for every single item in that array, you sort of log how many times that word has been saying. So you you take the you take that empty object and the first time I say hello, so you say hello is equal to one, and then I say my, and then you say on that you on that object you put my is equal to one, and then if I say hello again, then you just say oh I already have that key of hello, let's just increase it by one, and then you run that through the entire array, and then at the end of the at the end of it you don't have a number, you don't have an array, you have an object where every single word is a key in the object. And then every single value is how many times those words have been saying. So if you ever want to tally how often something has happened, uh, reduce is perfect for that. There's all kinds of use cases uh, yeah. for reduce. I've even seen people use it in, if you want to uh, sequentially run promises, you can take, like, let's say you had uh, an array of data and each one needed to happen one after another. You can reduce each of those into a promise and then and then just fire those off one after another, which is pretty, pretty nifty. So there's all kinds of great use cases for it. Yeah. And I think uh, a good place to go. I mean, even just the developer.mozilla.com and then just looking at the um, the array function or the array methods here and seeing the reduce, they have a plenty of different examples. So if you're thinking like, I guess I just don't I just don't know why I would use this. Check out these examples because these are a lot of very real world examples, including that promises uh, example Wes was just talking about, uh, but also a lot of really cool other stuff too that could get your mind working. And, and sometimes you might be trying to do some code and it might seem complex. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, would reduce work here? Maybe reduce would work here. And I think at that point you should just start trying it. Uh, cause honestly, this stuff will save you so many lines of code. I, I actually went back and looked at, uh, some code that I had written for a project, maybe like cup, maybe like three or four years ago. And I, it, it took up so much space. It was hundreds of lines of code in JavaScript. And I swear I just demolished that into a couple of lines with a few <laughs> array methods. And I just remember being like, dang. I, I was really bad at this, but I guess, you know, these things weren't out there. You had to use Lodash or any of that stuff underscore to uh, to really take advantage of a lot of this stuff. And that's actually one of the benefit of a lot of these methods, too, is they're removing the need to use a library like Lodash to do a lot of this stuff now that they're native into the browser. So that's a, just a advancement, advancement, advancement. Beautiful. Next one we have is dot for each. Now, uh, filter, map, reduce, these are all loops. They all loop over uh, your items in an array. Uh, However, for each is also a loop that does not return anything. So uh, in all of the previous examples, we've always wanted to take in data, do something with that data, and then return some other sort of data. With dot for each is great when you have what's called a side effect, when you need to actually do something with each piece of that data. And the most... uh, simple example I can think of is if you're selecting a list of buttons uh, in vanilla JavaScript, you do document.querySelector. That will return you what's called a node list, but uh, it's kind of like an array. Uh, we can talk about that at a later episode. And you can call dot for each on that node list, and you can loop over every single element. And then for each of those, you can attach an event listener saying, like, when this thing is clicked, I can run it. So if you don't need to return any sort of data, then you need to reach for each. However, if you do need to uh, return some sort of data, then you reach for filter map reduce. 
when was the last time you wrote uh like a for loop <laughs> like ever since for each came out i have not touched for loops no i think at any time you find yourself doing like you set a variable that's empty and then you open up a loop and then try to reach outside of that that function and updating that external variable, there's probably a better way that you can do it with filter map reduce because uh, that's one of the beauty, beauties of all of these array methods is that they're self-contained, meaning that they don't ever have to reach outside of their own function to get data that that needs doing. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I love and use for each all the time. Again, anytime I would have thought of making a loop, I just jumped to for each. It's so much easier. It, it's less code. Uh, it's more readable. A lot of good stuff about it. And okay, so the next couple of ones, in my mind, a little bit deceptive in their name. Like uh, we have some and every, which are kind of similar. Uh, I'll talk about some specifically, but some seems like it should be doing something a little bit more, I guess. But that sum, what it does, here's a perfect example. If you have, let's say, an array of five numbers here, you do dot sum on that array, and then you have a, a condition to check whether or not those numbers are even. It's going to tell you if some of those numbers are even. It's going to return a true or false. So if you have an array that's uh, five values that are all odd numbers and you do sum and then you have your condition to check if it's even, it's going to return false. If you have one item in there that's an even number, it will return true. So this is sum and I don't really find myself using sum very much, but maybe I could find some ways. Uh, every is the exact same thing, except for it's going to make sure that every item in your array passes that condition. And again, it's just going to return a true or false. So in this case, if you had an array that was four numbers that were odd and then one number that was even and you were doing a check to see if it was even, it would return false because not every one of those is going to pass that condition. Yeah, here's an example of uh, when I used it on my upcoming React course. I have a list of permissions that are available for someone to update an item. You can either be an, admini an administrator or you can have a permission on your profile called can update item. And then what I did is I would loop over the allowed permissions and check if the user matched some of the items. They don't need to have all the permissions. They just need to have one. So another good name for some would have been contains at least one or or not contains, but is at least one because you can you can run like you, you can run code inside of it to, to either return true or false. So in my ES6 course, I use an example where we check if at least one person is over drinking age. So you have an array of people. They all have their birth dates uh, of when they were born. And for each one, you can calculate how old they are and you can return true or false, whether they're legal drinking age. And you mm. can you can make a variable that says is at least one person legal drinking age, and that will be true or false depending on the data that's passed in. Similarly, uh, every will check if every single person is of legal drinking age. Interesting. Yes, yeah, I, these are definitely ones I need to use quite a bit more, I guess. Oh, I have. I thought of one more. <laughs> I, 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 because I, I've tweeted a lot of these out. I always find these generic or these like kind of edge cases. And dot sum can be used as what's called a, so a short circuit for each, which is kind of nifty because sometimes you have an array of data and you're looking for one thing in the array and you want to you want to run some data on the first thing that you find. Uh, like, let's say, for example, uh, you want to you have a list of people and you want to appoint the team captain for the per first person who is 20 years or years of age or older. What you can do with sum is you can 
just loop over every single one. And as soon as you find that first one that is going to be true, some will stop running on the rest of the data because it doesn't care. It, it It's some is just looking for at least one that is true. So you can use it as a for each loop that you can break out of early uh, because a for each loop, if you've even even if you found the piece of data that you're looking for in your for each, there's no way to stop the for each from running. Mm. Whereas um, dot sum, you just need to return true. And then the rest of the the array will no longer be iterated over. Interesting. Cool. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't used that before. That sounds uh that sounds pretty cool. Pretty nifty. <laughs> cool. Yeah, pretty nifty. You know what else is really super nifty is Netlify, which is one of our sponsors <laughs> Beautiful. today. Yeah. So Netlify is again. I tweeted out the other day. Uh, I mentioned this in the intro. I think I tweeted out that Netlify. If if I'm going to host anything at this point. Netlify is the first place I'm looking to, and I'm going to strongly back that statement because Netlify, uh, over the past few weeks, if if I want to host anything, I think I don't even think anything else. I think now's the time that I fire up Netlify and get this going because let me tell you, <laughs> Netlify is the most seamless, easy to use host that I have ever used. You can connect it right to your repos. You can have automatic deployment. It works great with uh, sort of front end code, static site generators and that kind of thing. But the best part about Netlify is they have all these additional features that sort of remove any of the friction for any kind of server-side stuff you might want to do. For instance, they recently launched something called Functions, which are essentially uh, AWS Lambda functions without configuring the API gateway, coordinating documents, or setting up an AWS account, which let me tell you, that barrier to entry to AWS is enough to keep me to not want to use it. So, so <laughs> the fact that Netlify has completely removed that now opens up serverless functions uh, with absolute ease using Netlify functions. Now, in addition, they also have something new called uh, Identity, which allows you to manage signups, logins, pa- uh, password recovery, Ooh, all of I that didn't know stuff. That. Yes, is it's authentication without having to have a backend. So now you can instantly add authentication to your front end code. Again, you don't have to have a server. It does it all with JSON web tokens. Uh, it's basically easy, easy, easy stuff to allow you to work with user accounts. Now there are plenty more of these. We've talked on things like forms and stuff like that. Before too. Uh, the best part about Netlify is it's free to get started. Uh, so you can check out Netlify, get started, only pay for the functions or the identity or the forms for the actual work that you need to use. You don't, if you're not paying for all these extra features if you're not using them. So head on over to netlify.com forward slash syntax and sign up for Netlify today. Uh, tell them you came from syntax. If they're ever talking to you, tweet at them or, or let them know that you heard about it on this podcast. And uh, yeah, I absolutely love this service. Again, this is 100% genuine. I don't think I could uh, be this excited about something if I if I wasn't legitimately this pumped about it. So I, totally. I love Netlify. I use a service uh, myself all the time. Uh, in fact, my slides that I'm using for my talk this weekend will be hosted on Netlify. So uh, toofasttofurious.netlify.com. <laughs> Beautiful. I'm really excited about this whole uh, serverless functions thing because I've tried a whole bunch of different serverless things and they all seem like a little bit more work than they should be. Um, exactly. And I know Netlify, I haven't tried it yet. It might be a lot of work, but I, I kind of doubt it because of their whole, I don't know, they, they, t- they seem to make everything very easy. So I'm, I'm going to have to check that out pretty soon. Yeah. 
Yeah, the the barrier to entry is usually just like too much for me if I'm like going to be doing a hobby project to just say, yeah, screw it, I'm 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 not I'm not going to bother with it. But yeah, definitely some really exciting stuff going on in Nettlefly. Also, they launched a uh, in between the time of the last episode and this one, they launched a really new site design uh, that is beautiful. So check out that site design. I'm a big fan of it as well. Uh, obviously, uh, seems like I'm a big fan of everything they do. But uh, this is uh, some some great great stuff going on. Wicked. Uh, next up, we have array.includes, and this will simply check if you have an array and you want to check if a value is in your array. So you have a list of letters and you want to check if a W is in there, then uh, array.includes will check if it's in it. A lot of people always ask, why is it not .contains like almost all other programming languages are? And it's because MooTools, do you remember MooTools from back in the I day? I do remember MooTools. There, there, there's a lot of other stuff going on with the the MooTools naming collisions going on too that was some hot drama for a little bit yeah they because they there's a kind of this thing in javascript where you say never touch the prototype meaning like don't ever mess with built-in built-ins like jquery never touched anything that was built in uh but what mootools modified an array prototype and added this dot contains method um, and if you if you're fairly new to javascript modifying the prototype will allow you to add additional functions onto any array so you can just call like you could you could make a method called is west cool that you could call on any array and you would just say like array dot is west cool and it would always return true right so uh Moo tools did that which was super handy but now um they can't the javascript couldn't add it uh because it would break a whole bunch of existing sites that have uh, Moo tools on it because it, it works in a little bit of a different way so it is includes and not contains Nice. Uh, and so and also, if you were wondering what's the difference between uh, something like sum and includes, right, because they're both going to return true if something's in an array. Sum is based on a condition that you're writing yourself, where includes is simply just you're passing it in a string or a value and it's checking to see if that value you don't have to do any sort of condition checking or anything like that inside of includes. Mm-hmm. I keep thinking of these like crazy things as I've done talks on this and I always think of what questions came up. A question that always comes up is if you have an object and you want to check if that object is in the array, it will not do what's called the deep check for equality, meaning that if you create two objects that have the same exact values, those are not the same values. That Those are two separate objects. So it will only check if that original object is in the array and it will not check if an object that looks exactly the same is in that array. If you need something like that, that's when you reach for something like Lodash with some uh, some custom methods. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, these things haven't totally invalidated Lodash for me. I still use Lodash for some of their a little bit more complex methods and stuff like that. Next one we have is array.from, and this is what's called a static method and not an instance method. A static method is something that lives not on every single array that you create. Everything we've talked about so far, these are methods of any array that you've created. However, this one is on the mama array, the capital A array, uh, and it's just array.from. And what it will do is it will take anything that is uh, has a length or I think is it iterable and it will convert it to an array, meaning that uh, if you pass it uh, an object with just a length property, it will create an array with that many slots. Um, and that's really handy because if you've ever wanted to say like, OK, I need uh, an array with 10 slots in it, you can just say array dot from pass an object with a, a length of 10. Um, and then one other thing that not a lot of people know is the second argument to array dot from 
is what's called as a map function. So you can create a, in in one fell swoop, you can create an, an empty array with 10 slots and then you can fill each of those 10 slots with anything that you want because you use the map method or the, the map argument. It works exactly the same way as the, the map method uh, to fill those slots. So I, I've done this before where if you want to create a leaderboard and you want to just like leave them empty or if you want to... Uh, I don't know, create an array of a couple of promises, each of them using the, that incremented number. There's all kinds of use cases for it. Mm. And uh, it's one of those you keep in your back pocket. And uh, it just replaces a lot of those kind of older tricks that you've had with slicing and splicing arrays. Nice. I have not I have not really used this. I'm not going to lie here. Uh, this is not one that I've, I've spent much time with. So there is a lot of use cases where you do need to create an array of a certain length. And uh, I, it's always nice to see a way to do that. That's nice and seamless. Super cool. OK, nice. Uh, do you have anything else on uh, from? Uh, I don't think so. There also is array dot of which will take as many arguments as you want and turn it into an array. So uh, if you have you just you call array dot of and you give it six arguments, it will return an array of of those six arguments that it sent you. I don't use that. I don't think I've ever used that, but you could yeah, because you can you can combine that with the the spread and the rest operators for some some nifty stuff. Nice. Nifty. Nifty. Super nifty. <laughs> Okay, so the next three are going to be some object methods here. And people often, uh, they want to work with objects occasionally like they want to work with arrays. So some of these can help with that. Uh, the first one being dot values, which is simply just going to return an array of the values, right? And so if you need to get every single value from an object, right, just the values, then you would use dot values and then uh, you would have access to now an array full of just the values. And likewise, uh, keys dot keys is going to work the same, giving you just an array of all of the keys for each item in your array. Now, there's a third one, which is going to be entries, which basically is going to put the key and the value into an array for your object. And you might be wondering, well, what's up with that? Why would I need to do that? Well, it allows you to easily do object.entries, you put in your object, then you do a dot for each on that, and then you have access to the key and value, essentially allowing you to iterate over an object, which is uh, a question that gets Googled a surprising amount of times. How do I loop over yeah. an object. Well, this is how you use entries and then you do a for each on that array and then you have access to the key and value and you can use that key and value to do whatever you would like. Yeah, so it's it's not something that you could never do before. Uh, but the 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 beauty of dot entries is that you don't ever need to reach outside of that function that for each or that map or whatever method you're calling after dot entries. Uh, you don't need to reach outside to the original object to to use that as a reference, because what used to happen is like if you had like keywords where you say, hey, th was said three three times and sick was said 100 times, you can just dot entries over keywords and it will give you both the keyword that you said sick and the number of times <laughs> that it was said 100. Right. And you don't need to do that whole like keyword square bracket key to to reference the actual value of the object. Nice. Yeah, it's definitely Nifty. one of those ones that uh, will uh, save you a couple lines here, make your code a little bit more readable. Totally. I think sort of all of these are, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think so. As, as, as At first, there's, there's always pushback 
to, to these things because people are used to doing it a specific way. But almost all of these newer ones that we're talking about are are brought to the language because of obscure ways that we used to do it. And a, a good example is next up is called array spread. Uh, and this isn't really a method per se, but it's a new thing in JavaScript where if you see those three dots, most of the time that can also be a rest. There's two things. There's a rest and a spread. Um, but what a spread will do is convert any sort of iterable into an array. So if you have an array and you have a dot, 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 an actual array or any iterable, it will convert each of those items to items in the array, which is really nice. So uh, what are some use cases for that? Uh, if you want to concatenate a bunch of arrays together, uh, you can open up a blank array and dot, 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 the first array, dot, 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 the second array, dot, 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 the third array. And if each one of those original arrays had five items, you're going to end up with one array with 15 items uh, in it, and it will sort of just concatenate them all together. Whereas with dot concat previously, if you want to concatenate more than two arrays, you're sort of out of luck be- unless you use like a, a some obscure dot reduce with it. So I, I'm a big fan of, of concatenating them. Another big one is removing an item from an array. So if you have an array of comments on a blog post and you want to remove one of the comments, how do you take an item out of the array? Well, we, we said earlier, don't don't splice your array. Don't don't mutate the original data. Return a new array, right? So what you could do is I do this a lot in my Redux course, where you can open up a new array called like new comments, and you can slice everything before the comment that you want to get rid of, and slice everything after the comment you want to get rid of, and that will just take both of those things, put it into the new array. Except it's it's a brand new array without the 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 comment that you're looking for. So big fan of that one. Yeah, these these end up making your code look at first when you don't really know what they're doing. I think they can they can make your code look a little bit more confusing. And once you really start to use them and start to see how nice they can be, you want to use them all the time. I find myself using these spread operators so much uh, because it does. It makes your code way easier, succinct. And once you understand what's going on there, it definitely makes it easier to read. I actually saw these used uh, to create a uh, an array of like an array of characters from a string on Reddit yesterday. I don't know if you've ever oh, seen yeah. anyone do that. Yeah, I, I thought that was kind of. I thought that was kind of fun. I don't know if I'd end up doing it, but uh, I thought it was kind of a fun use case to see that you could even use the spread operator on a string like that. Uh, now the next one is going to be very very similar, but with objects. This time. It's with objects. It's the same thing, right? It basically allows you, uh, you can concatenate objects. You can do all of the same stuff where you're grabbing all of the properties from one object and being able to uh, put them into another object or do something like, for instance, I frequently will use this if I'm passing along data into my server, into a new object, maybe in an Apollo query or something like that. I find myself using this probably more than array spread. I think I use this more than array spread, I think. Yeah, the the object spread is is amazing. And it, it just made itself into Node and it's in all the browsers now. And it's it's really great because previously, if you had uh, wanted to merge two objects, one example I have is sometimes you have like a function that has some default arguments or if you have something that has a bunch of defaults, like let's say we were writing an animation query and you have like you have speed and length 
and a number of items that need to be animated. Those are all defaults. However, if you wanted to overwrite one of them, what you can do is you can say like var options equals and you can dot 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 defaults and that will take every item from the array or sorry, that will take every item from the object and spread it into the new object. So it'll take a copy of every top level. It doesn't do uh, nested copying, so beware of that. Uh, and then if you just write anything after that, any properties that you write later on will just overwrite any duplicates that have previously shown up in that object. So uh, it's great to to merge things or to set some defaults and overwrite anything extra that you'd like. Nice. I love all this stuff. I, I love, uh, again, it can look very foreign if you're not using it. And some people might uh, look at that and start to uh, not want to use it or not want to, to explore it any further. But I, I definitely recommend you start trying these things out because once you feel like very comfortable with these things, you're going to really start to uh, write some really, really nice code. So again, I'm just such a such a big, big fan. Um, and so a lot of this stuff is we're accounting for our data here, but let's talk about another type of accounting. Uh, this is going to be our actual <laughs> accounting. So let's uh, hear a little bit about FreshBooks from Wes. So it is tax time and high five to all you freelancers who have filed your taxes on time this year. Uh, we've got a couple more days here in Canada to get ours in. If you are not done your taxes, you should listen up because FreshBooks is awesome cloud accounting software for that. So I'll, I'll spare you the ounce of prevention, prevention cliche. But uh, really, if you think ahead with these sort of things, what you can do with FreshBooks is you can link up your credit card and your debit cards to your FreshBooks account. You can import all of your expenses. You can categorize them, no problem, inside of your FreshBooks. And then once tax of time rolls around, all you need to do is just export a nice tidy summary of all of your different expenses. There's no dreading tax time and, and spending evening upon evening importing all of your expenses and, and manually putting them in one by one. So uh, to claim your 30-day unrestricted free trial of FreshBooks, go to freshbooks.com forward slash syntax and enter syntax into the how did you hear about us section. Thanks so much to FreshBooks for sponsoring. Thank you. So we talked about spread on arrays. We talked about spread on objects. Those are those three little dots. But we also have a rest, which is fantastic when you're using destructuring. So if you have an array of 10 items and you want the first one to be, I always, I use an example of uh, you have an array of people that are on a hockey team and the first person's a captain, second person's assistant captain, and the rest of the people are just team players. And you you want the captain, you want the assistant captain, and then you want an array of the rest of the team players. What you can do is you can say, you can use a destructuring in ES6, where you say const square brackets, captain, assistant captain, and then dot, dot, dot team. And what that will do is it will take the rest. It will take anything that comes after it. You, you've destructured the first two items and then anything that comes after it will uh, just be sort of collected into the rest of the array, right? Similarly, you can use a function rest as well, where you can make a function and you say arg1, arg2, and then dot, 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 the rest of the args. And so if anyone were to pass a whole bunch of arguments past that, you could collect them all into a nice tidy array with the dot rest. So they look exactly the same, but they are totally different, rest and spread. Nice. Yes. Again, I love these. Use this all the time. Okay, the next are, are ones I don't necessarily find myself using that much, or at least this one in particular, uh, which is freeze on an object. And this is going to do uh, like what you would expect, like Mr. Freeze and Batman Returns. I don't know. Is that Batman Returns? <laughs> Batman and Robin? I don't know. One of those I don't know anything about anything movies. like that. Well, 
these are from the nineties <laughs> with, I, I've, other than that, those are like the only superhero movies I've seen. That's a, are the old, old Batman ones. Okay. So object dot freeze is going to freeze your object and basically preventing you from being able to add or modify it. So you have an object you call object dot freeze. You pass into your object into the, uh, the argument there, the parameter. And then you, uh, basically, if you were to try to change a value, let's say you were to do object dot property on uh, your property equals a new value it would throw an error in strict mode. So basically not allowing you to modify, it's turning your object in sort of an immutable object, right? It cannot be changed. Yeah, it's what most people think that const does, but const doesn't freeze your object. If you have a, if you have an object or an array, you can still modify the contents of that array with const, but object.freeze will freeze the entire thing. And will not allow you to to add any properties to it or change any of uh, the properties, which is so I again, I haven't I've, I don't think I've ever actually used this myself. But if you were like, trying to do something in application, where you want to make sure that third parties do not directly reach into it very much like like maybe even react could do that with state where you don't want people to reach directly into state, you want to call other functions, then you could use dot freeze on that similarly we have object dot seal which is not like seal it's um like like sealing it up that was a real good seal yeah soundboards okay i can't wait till soundboard the seal is added to the soundboard yeah um object dot seal will stop any new properties from being added to an object but will not stop you from editing existing properties on that object so if you had a const wes equals name first name last name and favorite movies and you never you wanted to be able to to change the properties on that great but you don't want people to just start willy-nilly adding extra stuff to it that's where you use object.seal nice we wouldn't want willy-nilly anything especially around seals um let's go ahead (laughs) and lastly we have one that you might not be using too much anymore just because of our object.spread fanciness nowadays uh but object.assign is going to basically allow you to uh combine some objects we got two objects here you do object.assign you put in your objects together and you get a new object with your objects together again this is what we could do by concatenating objects with just simply using our spread operator so uh again I'm not sure if this one's going to be as useful in the future here. No. And if you actually look at the Babel output of when you use uh, object spread, it actually just uses object.assign under the hood. So it's one of those useful ones. You are going to see it quite a bit through existing code. But over the next couple of years, as everyone moves to using object spread, it's uh, you'll probably see less and less of it. I, I should say again, both with object spread and object.assign, those do not do deep cloning of your, your properties. So if you have an object inside of an object, it will, it will of course, take that sub-object along for the ride, but it will not take a copy, meaning that I have a, I'll link it up in the thing. I have a little uh, YouTube video on uh, copying versus reference and meaning that those that sub object is just a reference. So if you were to have two objects with that same sub object, if you were to change either one of them, the corresponding one would change itself as well, which is sometimes not what you want because you want a true copy. And if that's the case, then you need what's called a deep clone. But again, and in some cases, you, you don't want that. That, that. that can be a bit of a performance hit. Uh, especially if you have very nested data. So you want to be careful and know that when you reach for a deep clone, you actually do want a deep clone. 
Yeah. Anytime I, I do anything like deep object or deep array, anything, honestly, I reach for Lodash uh, because yep. there's so many methods in there that are just going to help me. And I know that those methods are going to be more performant than whatever I would try to write anyway. So beautiful. Well, that's our show. We've got some sick picks and some shameless plugs coming up, but <laughs> we didn't even think that we could fill a whole show with this. And then as we started riffing on the ideas, we're like, man, there's an entire episode just yeah. on these things here because... Uh, there, there's so much to them. And, and sometimes I take for granted just knowing these these methods really well. But if you're first getting, if you're just learning to program or, or you've been doing it for a long time, there's there's often going to be methods in here that you didn't realize that you could reach for and, and make your code a little bit simpler or or more readable. Yeah, sometimes I think that when you're working on something and you feel like your solution that you have is feeling a little complex or overbearing or just a little difficult to read or parse or any of that stuff, chances are if you're using a lot of arrays and objects, these methods can come in handy in different ways to really make your code way more readable. So again, if, you're, if your stuff is looking and feeling very, very not so good, uh, perhaps start looking into chaining some of these array methods and uh, see your code start to maybe get a little bit nicer and cleaner. All right, so my sick pick today is a SOG folding knife. So I am um, one of those weird guys that carries around a knife at all times. Do you carry around a knife ever? A little I pocket don't. knife? No, I don't. Yeah, I, so don't don't try to mug. I shouldn't I shouldn't state that on air. Nobody try to mug me. None of our viewers. <laughs> I don't want to get mugged here. So I just find, especially now that spring is here, I find that having a knife on you is so handy from opening up packages to I was repairing a hose the other day to uh, cutting up your kids chicken McNuggets when you're out on the road. I just find that having a a knife on you at all times is always just comes in so handy all over the places. And uh, I had kind of a I had a pretty nice one that was what's called spring assist. So it's it's in Canada. It's not legal to have a switchblade, which is where you you press a button in it. But I had a spring assist one from i forget what what company so what's that gun company that has the like the the hunting company with the deer on it i don't I know you're no from colorado idea <laughs> <laughs> anyways i had one and the spring assist w- opened in my pocket once and i was like nope never gonna carry that again because that's kind of yeah. scary so i went on amazon and i didn't want to spend a whole bunch of money on a new knife just because like I don't really care about it all that much. Like you, there's these knife guys on YouTube and they spend hundreds of dollars on it, but I just wanted something decent that you, that fit into my pocket it was kind of low profile and you could just put the clip on your jeans. So I found on Amazon, this S O G SOG folding knife. It's pretty nifty. I'm going to show Scott. Look at this thing. Oh yeah. That's a knife. Pretty, pretty nifty. Sog. Uh, and it, it's not spring assist. It's a centrifugal force. So you have to do the, flick of your wrist to open it up so it doesn't open up in your pocket so you get to um, look like it, a badass too yeah yeah sometimes i just like and now it's funny because my daughter in public is like dad your knife like we need to cut something i was like no i can't bring out a blade like that in public. <laughs> uh but yeah it's pretty pretty handy uh i would definitely check it out it's about 25 bucks i think when i bought it and uh, i've had it for about six months now putting it through the paces and uh, i just sharpened it for the first time Uh, the other day. So good knife. If you're looking for a cheap folding pocket knife, check this one out. What do you uh, sharpen it with? Just like a, like a kitchen knife sharpener kind of thing? Yeah. Well, I've got a, uh, a stone that has two different kinds of grits and uh, every, I don't know, every four months I'll take the stone out 
and take every knife in our house and uh, and give it everything a sharpen. Uh, and then you flip it over and it's a very fine stone. Uh, and then uh, it's it's pretty nifty. It's you can also get those uh, those kitchen steels where you and those are for uh, there's a lot of like confusion over that. Those are those are good. But they're not they don't sharpen it. They just hone it. Uh, so you use that in between sharpening to 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 get a nice sharp edge on it. But every I don't know, a couple months, you need to make sure that you give it a proper sharpen. You should also yeah post in post in your sharpening block. I mean, I want to see that. Okay. that. I need something like that. Yeah, I think it's a, a Henkel. I, I got it. I think it's like a hundred bucks or something. It's pretty expensive, but I got a Henkel have- that that's going to be a, a good purchase. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely <laughs> check that out. It's it's now my like thing where. If I visit family members, I bring my stone along because it's just like I can't stand it when people don't stone. have sharp <laughs> knives and they're just like just like destroying a tomato <laughs> trying to cut it with this. Thing. Like my parents, my entire life never sharpened an entire knife in their house. And uh, I didn't know the the joy of having sharp knives in the house until I until I started getting into it myself. And now I just kind of kind of like public service, just go to people's houses or like if you rent a cottage, I'll bring my stone and just sharpen all the cottage knives because no one cares at a rental if the knives are sharp except for me or I'll bring my own. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's so like what you're staying over at someone's place and they come down in the middle of the night, you're sharpening knives. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, but you can't live this way. It needs to be sharp. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome that's great i'm excited to check this stuff out i gotta get a knife I, I apparently i gotta start sharpening i sharpened my knives but I, I i thought i did but apparently i just honed them um oh you use pretty... the steel oh yeah. yeah oh yeah i thought that was sharpening them no you use that before you like cut a chicken you hone it you like yeah. give it a couple but oh, yeah. you still need to do proper maintenance on your knives and, and give them a proper sharpen every couple gotta months yeah okay I know what I'm doing this weekend. There you go. Uh, yeah. Okay. So my sick pick is going to be a, another tea shop. I recommended what cha before, and what cha is great for really rare and exotic teas. You're getting black teas, and I mean not black teas. You're getting dark teas like puars and yellow teas that you're not going to find anywhere else, right? Uh, yeah, I know. There's a puar joke in there. I see Wes uh, gearing up. Poo. Uh, yes. <laughs> puar. Occasionally, some puars taste like poo. Uh, so <laughs> they're real, real dark and smoky. Uh, so uh, my favorite tea store is teahouse.com. It's H-A-U-S. Now, this is a shop in Ann Arbor, Michigan that I used to go into like once a week because it was right across the street from where I worked. Uh, and I was just so lucky to be about one of the best tea shops in the country. Uh, so Tea House is so good. Uh, it's not necessarily as good for those rare teas, but what it's great for is a huge variety of like classic greens, uh, scented greens and stuff like that, or all sorts of different kinds of teas. They take very, very fine care of uh, their stuff. Everything is like triple tested in Germany, and they really spend a lot of money making sure that their teas are like the highest quality. And, and I've been going in there for years and years and years. And now that I've moved to Colorado, I have, I'm still ordering from Tea House all the time. This is, this is the place where I love to get my tea. So if you are a fan of tea, uh, check out Tea House. They have all sorts of herbal teas as well as green teas, black teas, any of that good stuff. And uh, again, I'm a, I'm just such a huge fan of uh, everyone involved at Tea House. They 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 always they sent you like a uh, 
They send you like a personalized video whenever you order from them, which I think is just ridiculous and amazing. Uh, they always write you a little handwritten letter and they'll, they'll pick you out some samples that they think are like based on your order. Like, oh, based on your order, we might give you, you know, like these as well. Where like some places like, uh, David's Tees or some of these other places, they're just like, here are some samples and toss them in a bag. These are like always geared towards what you ordered. So I'm just a huge fan of this place for a lot of reasons, but teahouse.com, uh, easily my favorite tea shop in the country impressive they have an ex an ev certificate which gives you the the name of the company you know when you you see a website with the name of the company in the certificate in the url bar mm. impressive that has nothing to do with tea but they're clearly sure. serious about tea if they're willing to shell out the cash to, to get one of those certs they 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 do everything right in my opinion they they do all the stuff right so yeah uh, big fan looks like it impressive i'll have to check that out do they ship to canada probably not nothing ships to canada <laughs> <laughs> Except for you sent me some spices at Christmas time. I did. Which, uh, I've been, uh, I'm almost done them. I've been going nuts on them. They're, they've been great. Good. What, was that, to hear what was that place called? That, uh, the savory spice shop. Uh, yeah. We, we like whenever people come into town, we're like, we're going to take you to the spice shop. And they're like, what, why would you do that? And then they go there and they're like, this place is amazing. Cause there's like a billion, billion spices. I, my favorite spice from the savory spice shop is the, uh, togarashi, which is a Japanese seven spice, which includes a whole bunch of stuff. I put togarashi on everything. I'm making eggs, togarashi. Uh, wow. Making anything, togarashi. It's funny. I was I was thinking about that. This is totally. You can t- tune out if you want. But I was thinking about uh, <laughs> how I'm a big fan of spice blends, uh, and I don't mind uh, somebody else figuring out the spice blend. I was like, it's very similar to my picking of javascript frameworks you know like i don't mind when someone does a little bit of work for me so that i can look like a hero when i just sprinkle on some spice blend and everyone's like this is amazing what did you spice it with and uh like (laughs) i just blend yeah spice blend (laughs) (laughs) that's great i never thought about that like that uh but uh very appropriate awesome so what about uh shameless plugs for me today yeah. So by the time, no, not by the time you're listening to this, uh, by the time you're listening to this, this course will almost be out. My headless WordPress course, basically what we're doing in this course, it's going to be, I haven't decided a name yet. It could be called modern WordPress, could be mo- uh, headless WordPress. It could be all sorts of stuff still in that phase right now. But this course is going to be all about working with the WordPress API in different sorts of ways with React. So we use a really, really brilliant WordPress uh, starter kit that we mentioned in the last episode. And we go through and we we, uh, we start to rewrite a WordPress style theme using React, using a lot of good stuff. And it's using Next.js primarily. Now, we all are also going to get into some Gatsby stuff, but it's not like a definitive Gatsby plus WordPress course, uh, but we will be showing you how to work with Gatsby and WordPress as well in this course. So all stuff, headless WordPress, headless WordPress plus React, and just sort of working with APIs in that way. Awesome. I'm just going to give a little update on my stuff right now. So I've been probably for about six months been working on my advanced React course because it's a beast and it's going to be amazing. I'm super excited about it. And once that one is done and it's pretty much almost done, I was just uh, had a little meeting with the Apollo folks to to talk about how to best test everything on Friday. So that's the last little little bit that I'm finishing up. Um, but after that, I'm sort of looking forward now as to, to what comes after that. And if you look back at episode 23, when we talked about this year, I've got a couple that I'd like to do a beginner JavaScript 
course, a beginner CSS course, and I want to do a VS Code course. So I'm curious what you want to see next. So tweet me at Westboss with which which of those three you would uh, most prefer to, to happen next. Nice. I'm excited as well. Sick. All right. That's it for today. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace. Head on over to syntax.fm for a full archive of all of our shows. And don't forget to subscribe in your podcast player or drop a review if you like this show.